My friend Victoria Robinson, the founder of Reassemble, joins me today on Unaborted. Uh, Victoria is actually the first guest, actually, that I've ever had on the show back in 2019. Also, but send us a message if you've been listening to this podcast since 2019. You're, you're part of a very small select few because we were – it was a nothing podcast at the time. And uh, Victoria came on, and she is a pro-life speaker, a pro-life leader, uh, a former HGTV television star, and um, one of the boldest voices to the church on the need for post-abortion healing to take and pick up the broken pieces of people's lives who have destroyed their lives through their participation in killing their children and not leaving them there and being able to pick them up and to speak truth into them and to remind them of the gospel so they can be healed, redeemed, set free, and then be the boldest voice against the culture of death, the abortion industry, and to stand in the middle of the road with a big sign that says stop to do as my friend Nick Voyage it says stand at the gates of hell and redirect traffic Victoria Robinson's been doing that for a long time buckle up your infantry I'm Seth Gruber and this is unaborted <laughs> We want to thank our sponsor of Unaborted here. That is Every Life Diapers. This is America's pro-life diaper company. Did you guys know? I, I've been telling you this, but like you gotta, you gotta tell all your friends about this. This is crazy. Every major diaper company in America, all eight of them, either financially support or rhetorically support the abortion industry. Some of them were putting out ads when Roe v. Wade got overturned, offering to pay for their employees to like fly to states where abortion was more accessible to kill their children. That's a weird la-la land stuff right there. Pro-life diaper company, Every Life. The only pro-life diaper company in America. And guess what? They give a portion of their profits back to pro-life ministries like ours at the White Rose Resistance and pregnancy resource centers all around America. Listen, you can't defeat a culture of death by funding a culture of death. If you want to build a culture of life, you've got to fund that culture of life and be a steward of the of the funds God's given you. So you use code SETH10. That's SETH. 10, you get 10% off your first order. Let them know that we sent you uh, and you're supporting our ministry and you're funding a culture of life. Promo code Seth10, everylife.com, everylife.com, every life. The only pro-life diaper company in America. Victoria, welcome back to uh, the Unaborted podcast. You're so welcome. <laughs> and you know what? I remember being your first guest, so you're welcome. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> was very, 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 very no, uh, sassy. Very I very appreciate that. Yep. Very proud well, of you. Well, uh, you've been... Um, I've been told you've been sassy since conception. Is that uh, sound yeah, right? Yeah, my mom, yeah, she probably wanted to send me back a couple of times. <laughs> um, Victoria, we're, uh, we're here today in San Diego um, because the uh, Charlie Kirk, Rob McCoy, Turning Point USA Faith uh, powerhouse uh, has decided that you're a sassy pro-life voice that's... <laughs> That's needed okay. to speak to pastors, but no, actually, it, it's it, isn't it beautiful because your 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 ministry, um, in large part, is directed at the church, um, to to lay Christians who many times have never ever told anyone. I meet people all the time, Victoria. I'm sure you do too. Oh, They're right. like, I've never told a soul. All the time. All the time. It's like, and the, and like the person coming up to you is like 50, 60. You're like, 
what? Yeah. Oh gosh. Talk, I, I mean, so just talk stories. about bondage and talk about oppression and like a, a stronghold that Satan has on the heel of the church and, and the pastors won't talk about it. Right. And, and I think, I think yep. maybe that's starting to change a little bit, mm -hmm. but, but so I'm so glad that you're here and we'll be sharing the stage for the pro-life panel. Um, at the Turning Point Faith Pastor Summit in San Diego. But I, I, I'm glad you're here because, as you say, and now I'm going to put the ball back in your court, maybe this is the secret backdoor um, into starting to tear down the abortion industrial complex. Mm -hmm. Thoughts? Um, I say that all the time. I've been saying that for decades, that I believe it's the backdoor approach to ending abortion, no matter what the laws are, Seth, because when enough people find healing from their abortion trauma, from their abortion sin, from the wound they can't keep their mouth shut. Healed mm. people want to help people. And so that's why it's so important for the church well, to Well, that's involved. a good one. Yeah. I like that one. Well, Everyone says hurt people hurt people. But what was what did no, you hurt say? Hurt people want to help healed people Pe want to help people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when people get that's healed good. from their abortion trauma, they may not go on a platform like we do and talk about it because they've said to me since I've gone now through your therapy or your counseling or your retreats, does this mean I have to do what you do and tell everybody? I'm like, no, but now God can trust you when he sends someone at your work, when he sends someone in your neighborhood or a friend who says I'm considering or an abortion you at your or I've had an abortion. Yeah. And then you're able to not have the mask or the, the uh, mask <laughs> or the tape over your mouth to keep your mouth shut. Yeah. You're healed. So you want to talk about it and tell them, listen, I know how you feel. I felt the same way. But here's what I found out when I made that choice. Wow. So that's why I'm convinced abortion recovery is the backdoor approach to ending abortion in this country. So you wrote a book called uh, They Lied to Us. I did. Um, but Victoria, uh, Fauci and Francis Collins and, and Kamala Harris and, uh, and Joe Biden and Barack Obama uh, they told me that uh, abortion's health care. Yeah, they um, did. And, and that, uh, that women need abortion. Um, they need that health care to be equal with, with men. See, this is actually part of the con the conclusions of feminism. This is good. Mm -hmm. um, so what, what do you mean they lied to us? Uh, exactly what I'd tell my grandchildren if they tell me a little, little fib. Did you do that? And they, and they say, no, Mimi. I say, liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> um, they're the same. They've done the same thing. And they have continued to perpetuate that lie. And I see the aftermath of it with the women who are now calling me or they're messaging me, Seth, because they're delivering their dead children in their bathrooms because they took the abortion pill. And they tell me out of their own mouth, they told me this wasn't a baby. They told me it was nothing more but a blob of tissue and it wouldn't look human. It would look like clots. And they're showing pictures of these intact children. And yep. then they're being told by the abortion clinic, flush them down the toilet, yep. which that's a whole other issue with our water systems. But they're just yeah, lying yeah, every actually, yeah. single day yep. in this country to very vulnerable women and also men. Yep, yep. Into believing this lie. I've, I've thought about this a lot, so I, I want to ask you this. If the baby's not a baby and it's just a blob of tissue... It's it's it has human DNA in it. It's like it's like a it's like a it's like a human mass. It's like a tissue mass. Mm -hmm. There's like human DNA in there, but it's really just like a mass of like of like a skin. It's not a person. Mm -hmm. Goodness sake, it's not a person. Um, if that were true, and the child in the womb 
is indistinguishable from a polyp and so abortions health care then why are there so many millions of hurting men and women yep. um but but where but shouldn't we find the same number of hurting men and women who are just traumatized from their polyp removal yeah exactly it's, 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 it's like the silent admission <laughs> that like they've been lying you know i tell people that love to say to me especially when they get very close to my face there's nothing there it's not human and i look at them and say really well at that moment of conception we're unique human beings with our own dna ask any scientist and then we become uh, eventually the fetus and then we become an infant and then a toddler and then a preschooler and a teenager and an adult and a senior citizen the only difference between you and that baby in that woman's womb is growth and time so you used to be a blob of tissue too <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's just insane to me what well they're not conscious themselves. or self-aware that's why victoria there that's why go. they're not persons it, it's insane to me the lies people believe but they believe them at a time these vulnerable women that I'm talking about when they need to believe those lies I was one of those women Seth I believed the lie that at six weeks pregnant even after having two daughters that there was nothing there but a blob of tissue clump of cells let's get it taken care of before it becomes human but when a woman is so vulnerable and she's terrified. She's going to believe whatever the experts tell her. And I'll never forget the abortion clinic worker looking at me saying, do you think our government would allow this to be legal if it could be harmful to you in any way? <laughs> Just hilarious after the last three years. <laughs> Verbatim. Yeah. But yet after I left that abortion clinic in Charlotte, North Carolina, the woman I was who walked in was not the same one who walked out. And I knew my life was never going to be the same. I knew this was something I was going to pay for dearly. And I did until I found help through a pregnancy center with abortion recovery. Yeah, so tell us the story from there. So after, so y you said you're not, you weren't the same woman. No, never. Uh, it was walked, never the same. Who walked in to exercise your right to choose. Yep. Um, that's Charlotte, North Carolina. Charlotte, North Carolina. And so w w t take us from from there so when I, le I left that center I had to go home to my two little girls who were 18 months and three and a half four years old and tell their sitter thanks for watching them I just had to go to the mall for a, for to go shopping and my girls were not understanding why mommy was lying in bed crying for days and days and days and I knew I knew, immediately knew right after I knew Seth when that abortion doctor went to the door after he was finished doing his job and I called after him and said, can you tell me what it was? Was it a girl or a boy? And he threw his hands up and said, I don't have time for this. You're too early. He walked out because he had a slew of other women waiting. But, you know, when I got on that elevator, they wanted me to stay in the recovery room for 30 minutes, take a couple Tylenol to make sure they got everything, which I now know that's what they were doing. I lasted a few minutes. I had to get out. There were women wailing in that room, in that recovery room, if you will. And Seth, there was, it's a sound I'll never forget. There were women in shock, holding their stomachs, just wailing. And I just had to run out of there. So I had to just bury it because I had two little girls to take care of. I was in a position to have, in my mind, an abortion in the first place because I was struggling as a single mom because their dad just abandoned us and never supported us, had nothing to do with us after he went from North Carolina to California. Actually, isn't that appropriate? Uh, wow. where we're sitting right now 
and he never helped. So it was easy to be manipulated by a multi-billion dollar abortion industry that this is the best choice for you. She even said to me, Seth, you sound like a good mother to your little girls. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you really think you'd be a good mother to bring another mouth to feed when you can barely feed the ones that you have? You know what's crazy about that, Victoria, is I... um, if you don't know this, I study a lot of the stuff with Sanger and the history of mm-hmm. eugenics. And, oh, I know it. And uh, I recently was able to purchase um, eight, nine editions of uh, nine different edi- uh, copies of Sanger's Birth Control Review magazine from 1922, which is one year after Planned Parenthood was founded. Planned Parenthood was founded in 1921 mm-hmm. under the name the American Birth Control League. It was changed to the name Planned Parenthood in 1942 because the Nazis were giving a bad connotation to the term eugenics. Anyways, uh, I got these from one year after Planned Parenthood was founded. Nine of them. So they're, they're over 100 years old. And I'm and so I'm reading through these, Victoria. I wish I had brought them, but I didn't want them to get torn up in the suitcase. They're very old. <laughs> um, and Sanger and her friends are literally saying these things. Mm-hmm. Some, of, some of the... It's pretty sick. I mean, some of the cartoons and sketches that were hand-drawn on Planned Parenthood's early... Uh, publications and then the essays subsequent subsequently that were published inside were literally saying what you just said mm-hmm. it would show a mom with a couple kids and it would say things like how can you feed another mouth then you'll be running back and forth between work and home to feed the children because you don't have the money to be able to do this Anyways, it's just it, Seth, hearing it's all, you say they that. Train them. It's just fascinating to it's be like, oh wow, training. I was just I was just reading that yes. from a hundred and one years ago, yes. a year after Planned Parenthood was founded. Yeah, it's been working for them. It's been working for them. So they train their staff to say those exact same words because I have now, twenty seven years later, being involved in this work, met hundreds and thousands of women who heard the same things, and their stories are so familiar and so similar that. They're they're all reading out of the same training manual because it's worked. Yeah. So when I left there and went home, I, um, you know, had to pretend. Like I said, I had to be the mom to these little girls. So I buried it for 10 years. I just, okay, I need to forget about it. She said to walk out of here. She literally looked at me and said, when you leave here today, never think of it again. You can have more children later. You're so young. So never think of it again. Well, another wow. lie, all I've thought about was what I'd done. And so I wow. uh, took 10 years for me to finally run into a, a woman at a pregnancy center who was the director at the church I was attending. 10 years later? Oh, yeah. Is that what you said? It was 10 years later before I got help. I got involved in relationships I shouldn't have because I thought I deserved it to not be happy, to You're be knocked mom, around. Right? Yes, You yep. raised your girls by yourself. Well, I, I pretty much, I did remarry, but that was another one of those things where had I been healthy, I wouldn't have. Um, I would have waited for God's best for me. And so that did not work out, mm. And which, which is very typical for a post-abortive woman. She just doesn't make the best choices for herself. So after about seven years, I ran into a woman at the church I started going to because I became part of the worship team. I thought if I do enough here at the church, I'll clean the toilets, I'll work in the nursery, I'll do whatever they ask, then I'll stop feeling the way I feel about what I did that nobody knows about. Mm -hmm. And so I met Mary, her name was Mary Hillenberg, she was the director of the pregnancy center and she was a member of the church. She started approaching me, asking me to come volunteer at the pregnancy center. And then I had it out with God. 
and basically went to him and said, you just want to keep punishing me, don't you? I know what they do at the pregnancy centers. They help girls to not have abortions. So you want to remind me every day of what mm -hmm. I've done when you think I don't think about it. So it was me and him going at it for three years. In that three-year period, she kept asking me to come and volunteer. So finally, after three years, a woman came up to me at church and said, for whatever reason, she chose me and said, can you pray with me, Victoria? Nobody knows my secret, but I had an abortion almost three decades ago, and I can't live with it anymore. Whoa. Can you pray for God to forgive me? And I'm thinking, oh, there you go again. You're making her come to me? Of all the women in this church, she sought me out. And I prayed with her, Seth, and I watched her entire countenance changed. She mm -hmm. felt so set free and forgiven. Then I had it out with the Lord that night pretty bad. It was, it was really ugly about why do you seem to heal everyone but me? And I heard that still small voice say, I've been trying. And it was Mary's face I saw that, Mary Hillenberg, the director. The next day I called her and I said, can you help me? I'd love to come volunteer. Mm. She said, come on. I confessed to her and she said, let's get you an abortion recovery. God's going to take what the enemy meant to destroy you and turn it into good. Wow. And that was 27 years ago. Wow. So abortion recovery changed my life, which is why I sat under the tutelage of the women who took me through abortion recovery and said, every woman who's had an abortion needs to know this is available to her right. that god loves her and he can forgive her and he can still use her wow. and i want you to teach me and they said well we're going to do that and they did and that wow. was a long time ago and then uh later you found yourself at save the storks with uh, our friend joe baker i did and now you're the president and uh founder of reassemble yes um so tell us about your organization and, and why it's so important for the church and individuals to start talking about this mm -hmm. and kind of giving people freedom to, to share their story. So tell us about your ministry and why it fills such an important gap. Okay, and let's make sure we talk about the, how the church can make a difference. But I started, I've been doing these retreats. It's a retreat model. Uh, for 27 years, ever since I went through the first one. Oh, you started doing them immediately. I started immediately. Well, Look, I, I got there I on that. that Thursday, Seth. I got there on Thursday as a very broken, angry woman, and I was there with the group. They did this at a at a hotel. We each had our own room, and the conference room is where they did the, the therapy sessions, if you want to call them, the counseling. And I looked at those women, Carolyn Rice and Trina Pitts, and I said, let me tell you guys something. Mary said I needed to be here. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Of. <laughs> How are you going to help me in three and a half days when I've been begging God for over 10 really? years? Really? Oh. Sure. And they just sat back and went, <laughs> we're just so happy you're here. They were those soft spoken church ladies. So then I wanted to punch them. Um, but by Sunday, I went to those same two women and said, every woman who's had an abortion, and that's when I did my big speech with them and said, I have been completely transformed. I cannot believe what's happened in three and a half days for my in my life. And I'm a different person. Thank you for this. And then they said, well, we both knew that you were the person we brought out of this group that we wanted to train and mentor. So they did. Mm -hmm. And that was years ago. So I've been doing these retreats for 27 wow. years. Wow, that's amazing. Now, I've done them. I was a CEO of a pregnancy resource centers before I ever went to work for Joe Baker for a couple years. Yeah. Um, I was a director and a CEO of 
a center in Nashville area in Arizona and also in North Carolina. That's right. Mary, I ended up being the CEO of that center. No way. I became the volunteer when she retired. I ended up taking her place in Concord, North Carolina. Concord, yeah. So all of this time I told every director or every board that hired me as the director, if you want me to be your executive director or your CEO, I will not stop doing these retreats. And they, of course, said, we want you to keep doing them. So I've always done them. Several years ago, I felt, I knew probably 10 years ago that God started birthing in my heart. Something was coming that had to do with abortion recovery. I was seeing the fruit of these retreats and what was happening. These women were getting the same freedom that I was, that I had received. And um, it was just, it's in a beautiful thing every time. I just got back from doing one in Memphis um, and it was amazing. Well, I just decided, okay, Lord, I'm ready. If, if you're telling me it's time. So two years ago this month, Reassemble was, was born. So I've been doing the same retreats, but now I'm doing it under the name Reassemble. Um, and God gave me the name, Seth, because these people are in pieces. Yeah. And we're reassembling them with the help of the Lord back together through these retreats. Right. And there are a lot of people that come to me, Seth, who are Christian, but they'll tell me this is the one sin I don't think God can ever forgive me for. This is the one thing that I still carry. And that's why I love to see them come through the retreats. Mm. But atheists and agnostics come through too. Yeah. And they'll say, look, I don't care. I don't care about their words. Wow. One woman said, I don't care about your stupid Bible. If that's what you use in these retreats, I can't feel this way anymore. Jeez. I'm sick of feeling this way. And then by Sunday, they want to know all about Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, <laughs> so right. it's a win-win. Right, right, right. Um, I've often used uh, the story of King David mm-hmm. when kind of communicating because I'm, you know, I kind of bring a lot of salt when I speak, and so it's sometimes Just a little, it's so. too much for people, <laughs> you know. And I've actually had post-abortive um, women quite angry with me before because I, I didn't do enough of the salve, mm. you know, and it was too much salt, um, which I, I, I get. But um, I always thought the story of King David was so powerful because he uh, arranges the death of an innocent human being in order to hide and cover up his sexual sin. Right. Um, right. So let's 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 kill. Let's murder, <clears throat> so that people yeah. don't find out that I had an affair with Bathsheba. Yep. Right. And um, many abortions entail um, the death of an innocent human being in order to hide and cover up your sexual sin. They do. They also, though, are out of fear. No. A lot of them are out of fear, Seth. I, uh, if you sat down, and I know you have, but I've sat down with these Please. women for decades. Yeah. There are a lot of women, sure. I don't want to say a lot of women. There are a small percentage of women who do, you know, shouting out their abortion. They think that's so cool. The majority of them are, are just hurting people. I'm convinced of that. There are some evil people who use abortion as birth control. Sure. They have no issue with it. I think they have other problems that are going to come out because there's no way you can continually kill your children. It's not yeah. natural for That's us true. to kill our children. It's going to yeah. catch up with you. The majority of women who choose abortion choose it out of maybe hiding hiding the sin, but a big part of it is fear. Yeah. And they if if men and i've told men this before if they would step up 
and take their place when they get a woman pregnant instead of saying, hey, get rid of it. Is it even mine? I'm out of here. We don't need to have a kid right now. All of the things they hear when all they needed to hear was, we'll do whatever we need to do. Yeah, that's I'm right. going to take responsibility for this child. So I've met these women. They're not bad women. They weren't bad women before the abortion. They were just manipulated into believing. They truly believed, I believed it. I needed to believe it, Seth. I had two little girls taken care of as a single mom So with that's no support, actually something I wanna, I I wanna ask it. you. Um, yeah. I think this would be, because I think a lot of people um, who have been pro-life their entire life and haven't partook of the culture of death as much, mm-hmm. I think a lot of, so we're talking conservative, Probably the entire family's conservative. It's a pro-life Christian culture, kind of like I think I think people like that sometimes struggle to understand the mindset of a woman who we contemplate abortion. Mm-hmm. Right? In in Christendom that's solid, it's 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 hard for people to understand that. Right. Um, so I I, I want to ask you this. You personally, Victoria, because I actually don't know I, I'm I'm truly asking out of curiosity. Um f- f- in in your story was was the lie clung to because you needed it to be true because of how dark and difficult your life was at the at that time or or was it or did you truly believe like did you think scientifically it's a blob of tissue or did you know deep down in an unacknowledged portion of your heart that it was a baby but but you couldn't you couldn't entertain that thought. You had to believe it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Like wh- for you, which one was it? I'm going to tell you what it was for me and probably for a lot of women. I truly believed because I trusted the people at the clinic. They are so trained to make you feel like they care and that this is the best choice for you. And I truly believed because I remember saying to myself, you got to get this done. You got to get this done before this becomes a baby, because once it becomes a baby, you cannot do it. There's no way you can do it. Now on the way there, I had my hand on my stomach, driving myself to the abortion clinic because the boyfriend, he couldn't even take me. He had to go out of town conveniently. So I'm driving myself 25 minutes to this abortion clinic I'm convinced it's a blob because I'm six weeks pregnant, even though I'd already had two children. And saying to this blob of tissue, please forgive me for what I'm about to do. So what does that mean? It means you're so fearful. You're not even thinking straight. It means you're so manipulated into believing what they're telling you that you start thinking you're the crazy one. And even on the table, Seth, I was paralyzed with fear because I saw myself and heard myself screaming, stop, stop, I changed my mind, I cannot do this, I cannot do this. And I couldn't even talk, I couldn't even speak. And the woman just kept rubbing my arm, it's gonna be over in a minute, it's okay, you're gonna be fine. And I was in such fear of number one, she's right, I am being a terrible mother if I can't feed three children, that's terrible to do that to another child and all this chaos that my life was at the time. It was so chaotic. And then I've got these nurses, they're so nice. I don't wanna make anybody mad. I don't want my my boyfriend to be mad. He's told me this is what we need to do. We can have kids later once we get married. But right Right. now, you know you can barely take care of the two you've got. It was all of it, Seth. It's so hard, but it's, I like to tell people this. When 
the enemy, Satan, devil, whatever people want to call him, is whispering to us in our ear to do something. It sounds so good. And oh my gosh, nobody's going to know, Vic. You're so early. Remember what that woman said? It's not a baby. You can barely take care of Taryn and Tawny. Right. How are you going to do this? This is the best choice. You need to listen to what they're telling you. This isn't what he wants either. You can have more kids later. You're young. Okay, okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Then immediately, when it's over, he comes and accuses. And that's when you hear, what kind of person kills right. the baby? Right, right, right. You're a horrible mother. Poor Taryn and Tawny that you're their mother. Right, yeah. So that was the guilt for 10 years yeah. until I went and got the help that I needed. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, and I tell people that have an issue with women like me, and they do, and it used to bother me in the past. It doesn't anymore. You know what I tell them? Take it up with my father. He's forgiven me. I never could look in a mirror, Seth, and say, you had an abortion. You ended the life of your own child. I couldn't even get the words out. Now look at me. God's got me going everywhere yeah, 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 yeah. to tell my biggest secret. That doesn't mean it's everyone else's that they have to. I don't sure. like people to get nervous about that. That can be their own <clears throat> within their family or whatever. Right. But I'm telling you that until healing comes, you don't have a voice. And that's why when I went through abortion recovery, I knew God forgave me. It didn't matter to me what people thought of me. It didn't matter to me if they f called me names, which they still do to this day. I just look at them and say, I'm going to have to pray for you more than me because you <laughs> look and sound like you need a lot more prayer than I right. do. Because the Jesus I serve died on the cross, not just for my unborn child that was aborted. He died for me too. Well, thanks, Victoria. Uh, I I wish that uh, the, the women and the men in the Churches of America could all hear your story because it's astounding when you realize the percentage of men and women in the church who are killing their children. Mm -hmm. And so that's a lot of brokenness. That's a lot of hidden sin. And those are, I mean, you talk about one of the greatest, I think, strongholds in the church today. I would say it's sexual sin. Mm -hmm. And so that's that encompasses this though, right? It because does. it's almost always involved. Not always, sometimes. Married right. child, it's weird. You see the stats, married women will get abortions too. They but do. but um, it, it's sexual sin and it's abortion. And the church has is continuing to live in a lot of bondage because of those two issues, and and so many pastors won't speak to these issues. Um, but what is your word to the men, um, particularly um, maybe post-abortive men? Because you're working with men too now. Mm -hmm. That's I'm that's an interesting dynamic because sometimes you you might have a man who's actually pleading for the life of his child. Right. but he has no right to protect that child, right? Or it's the other way around, and he was the one pressuring. Mm -hmm. He was the one forcing. He was the one threatening to abandon her if she didn't get the abortion. So at Reassemble, um, how do you guys work with both men and women, and what's, what's that been like? Well, I just did my first men's retreat two weeks ago. So. Really? And it was, it blew my mind. I never expected these men to open up the way they did. And on Sunday when it was over, they were completely transform men wow. and they said to me I wanted their feedback because this was the first they knew it was the first ever I'd done 
and that I was deciding after this retreat, is this something that I definitely want to implement, which 100% I've already got the next one scheduled for January and I only have two spots left. And wow. I just announced it last week. Wow. And these men said to me on Sunday, here's what we need you to hear. Had it not been you leading this event, we would have never found the healing and spoken the way we did and and shared as much as we did. Wow. I would not have shared this way with another with a man sitting in that chair. Now I have co-leaders who are men who are there with me, but I lead the sessions. And their feedback was blew my mind. And wow. and they even said there's things you said Victoria we knew nothing about with mm. pregnancy and the menstrual cycle, how what women go through and how they are affected by abortion. And every time you started saying from a woman's perspective, let me tell you this, mm. they said you didn't notice, but each one of us leaned in because we love our wives, we love our daughters, we wanna be better husbands, we wanna be better fathers, but we don't always know what that looks like or how to do it. You have taught us more than just let us through abortion recovery. Wow. So it, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And they are sitting in churches, Seth. When mm. I called after my first book, they lied to us. My boyfriend and I broke up within a year after our abortion. Nine out of 10 times when a couple choose abortion, they can't stay together. It's too traumatic of an experience and a reminder of what they did. So girls are having the abortions thinking they're gonna keep their husbands or boyfriends. They lose them anyway. Wow. Nine out of 10 times out of 10 times. So we broke up and we hadn't seen each other, talked to each other. So when my book was coming out, I felt like he nine missed. out of 10. That's crazy. Oh yeah. Nine out of 10 times. So when he, when I knew that we had some of the same friends in the same circle still, even though we hadn't run into each other, I thought he needs to know my book's about to come out and I don't want him so concerned. Did she say who I am in the book? And I didn't give any identifying factors away about him. So I called him after 10 years and I said hey it's me and he just started crying oh, wow. he couldn't even talk he said I've been Literally. waiting for this call for over a decade to beg you for forgiveness for what I made you do Wow, it's haunted me all these years I should have protected you and our baby and I failed you both can Whoa. you ever forgive me and in that moment I realized oh my gosh men are hurting he was genuinely broken on the phone. And that's when I started shifting my paradigm as to how I view abortion. It is not just about women. These babies had fathers. And in that phone call, the Lord showed me two things. One, you haven't fully forgiven him and you need to. Mm. And I did. And the second thing was he showed me that these babies have dads who are hurting. Wow. And we cannot forget about these fathers. The abortion industry, Seth, does not want men to know the power they have yep. over standing up and taking care of these women and standing up for their children. Yep. They don't because they know if men don't, if they come out of the corner, if you will, because yep. they've stuck them in the corner, That's emasculated good. them and said, yep. stay there, keep your mouth shut. It's not your body. It's not your That's choice. Right. Well, it's not her body either, sir. Yep. It is your child too. But the abortion industry knows, let's just keep them over there. Let's keep them convinced. Keep the women convinced. Don't you listen to him. Mm -hmm. This isn't his body. This isn't his choice. Yep. Well, that's what they've done by using the narrative, which is why men say to me, men in this retreat, one man said, one of the of the men that was there, yep. he didn't want her to do it. Wow. He begged her not to do it. 
But then he said, who am I? I thought, who, what right do I have? Well, that's why I've been told I have no rights. They've made sure legally that men don't have the right yep. to speak up or protect. Have you ever seen the, the videos of a, uh, a father outside of an abortion center? Have you seen these? Yes, it's heartbreaking. Screaming, pleading, crying for her to come back out. Yeah. And he has no rights. And if, and if he entered that facility, by the way, for a child that they consensually created... He'd be arrested. He'd be arrested. Yeah. And then and, and that's that's been intentional. Hundred um, percent. And, and, and I'm convinced that um, abortion after the tragedy of the murdered children, um, I, I'm convinced that one of the greatest tragedies and wickedness that the reality of abortion has wrought on America is its attack against masculinity. Absolutely. Right. I mean, you're talking about like something so natural that every culture, even the cultures that exercise child sacrifice understood. Mm -hmm. Like you were talking about the kookiest pagan religion cultures. Every culture has understood the role of a man as a protector and provider. Yes. Right. Because that's like how the God created like them. Chopped off heads and yes. like ripped out hearts. Like, but, they, but think about they this. They understood Seth. the role of the man as a protector God and provider. God created women to give life, God created men to protect. So when a woman realizes, I did not protect and nurture my baby. I didn't. I didn't do anything to give. You know, I I killed mm. my own child. It's unnatural for us to kill our own it's our own children. So men, it's different for men. For I men, it's the saying. protection when they realize I did nothing. His words yeah. were to me, I didn't. I didn't do enough to protect you and our baby. Wow. These men in the in the retreat, what I didn't do anything that, to protect. That abortion, uh, when a child is killed through an abortion the most fundamental aspects of a woman's identity and the most fundamental aspects of a man's identity are completely crushed, destroyed. compromised, destroyed, called destroyed. into question. And yeah. when they come to the realization that was my baby as a mother to nurture and love and give life, but I took that away. When the father comes to the realization, I didn't protect my own child. Right. That's how God created a man. It's a natural instinct. Right. They're destroyed. And that's the vicious cycle that continues. And these people are sitting in church after church after church. Mm. And what I tell pastors when they say to me, well, I don't want to offend anyone, Victoria. You know, I, I don't want to upset anyone and make them feel bad. I'm mm. like, you don't understand. I was one of those women. Right. When you say nothing, pastor, you're driving home what they already believe, which is a lie, mm. that that's the one sin Jesus will not forgive them for. Yeah. My own pastor won't talk about it. Yeah. So when my own pastor isn't isn't addressing abortion and then with a message of love, like you said about the salt stuff, you know, you've got to bring that. You've got to bring the love, too, because these people walk out with their wounds ripped open. Yeah, that's not OK either. But that's what they internalize and take home. God, see, I knew it. I knew it. That's the one sin. I knew it because even my pastor won't discuss it. Even my pastor can't even say the word abortion because mm. he knows just as well as I do. This is the one sin God will never forgive me wow. for. And it's not true. Yeah. If someone's had an abortion, mm. God will forgive them. Some people may not like it, but too bad. That's the gospel. Yeah, amen. I think you and I once said, the we called it the, the silence of the 
shepherds on the abortion of the lambs and their silence is actually deafening yes it is they're it's saying deafening a lot. and it communicates a lot they're speaking loud when yeah. they say nothing thank you victoria thanks Thank for you, joining Seth. today reassemble what's the website where can people reassemble life.com and if you are someone who's looking for help or you know someone who is get in touch with us our retreats fill up i only allow so many people to come because i want everyone to get what they need and just get in touch with me the next men's retreat is coming up uh in january of 2024 i only have two spots left wow if your husband your brother, your son has an abortion in his past and you know that it's affected his life, get in touch with us. Good. Reassemblelife.com. Wonderful. Thank you, Victoria. Thanks well, it's good me. to have you here. Good to be sharing the stage with you. And uh, if you're a pastor and uh, you want to begin addressing these things, Victoria is a wonderful resource and tool to speak to your church, to do an event, uh, or you can bring us both out and then uh, yeah, that'd be awesome. I'll do all the salt. Which, um, <laughs> Very good at, and then you can do the other side, and it'll be holistic. Um, well, thank you, Victoria. Thanks for blessing us today. Um, uh, as one of my colleagues said, um, the pastor's silence on abortion um, does not spare his people hurt. It actually spares them healing. Yeah. Um, and so thank you for um, speaking and giving people permission to um, share their story because there's a lot of people out there um this is i mean i think i'm convinced abortion has um almost destroyed the family in, in america yeah. you all know someone whether you know it or yeah, not yeah you do and and, and we need to also give people permission to grieve seth yeah. i have many post-abortive women and men who after they'll hear me speak at an event or church or wherever they'll say you mean i'm allowed to cry mm, because wow. i always bury it thinking who do you think you are grieving over the loss of a child that you killed and I let them know, yes, you are. Wow. So let it out. Wow. Wow. Good. Thank you, Victoria. You're welcome. Reassemblelife.com. Yeah. Reassemblelife.com. Thank you guys for joining the show today. Head on over to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, give us a rating and review. We really appreciate it. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while and you haven't done that, it takes 10 seconds. Go to the purple little app, podcast app on your iPhone. Scroll down, hit five stars. It helps uh, more people see the show. Head on over to Rumble and subscribe for if and when we get digitally assass assassinated over at our YouTube channel. Um, if you want to become a member, an ally of the White Rose Resistance and help us rebuild Christian resistance against the culture of death, go to thewhiterose.life and sign up as an ally. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Oh.